support for our welcome uh, for all of us to know them and very briefly uh, say uh, their names and their churches and, and uh, a place where they come from. So let's all um, ask our pastors to please stand and introduce yourself um, where you come from. Please all stand, please. And we'll start from, from this side. Pastor Benjamin will start. Amen. Because uh, 
people there will get nasty like a junkyard dog when mobile phone will turn on during the preaching time, so I have to leave. But um, what a blessing to receive the message from uh, the Lord through a brother Kelly last night about the uh, Word of God. And I do believe that as a, a child of God, we should indulge ourselves in reading and meditating in the Word of God. Amen. Mm. Uh, the Bible tells us that He magnified His Word more than His name. The importance and uh, loving the Word of God. Yeah. And so greetings from New Hope Baptist Church. I, uh, I'm the second pastor of the church. Uh, the first pastor uh, passed away uh, a few years ago. And I was just the... He was very sick, and so they called me to preach for them every Sunday. But then he uh, got sick, and he passed away. So in 2005, the, the, the church called me as their full-time pastor. So I've been ministering to the church for quite some time now. And uh, it's not a big church. Uh, sometimes I get uh, jealous. We call it godly jealousy to, to see uh, churches thriving with attendance. Uh, we will only have some handful of people in our church. And uh, I cannot think sometimes that these pastors are more spiritual than me because they have more people. But that's not the case, amen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's about having, uh, it's not also about being a cute pastor. <laughs> because if it's about being cute pastor, then I should have a lot of people. <laughs> but that's not the case. But uh, New Hope Baptist Church was started in 1996. And when the pastor got sick, got sick, most of the people left the church because they thought the church will be. By the way, when I came for the first time in, their first, in my first Sunday as a preacher, that was supposed to be the last Sunday. And then they will uh, close the church and whatever money they have in the back, they will divide it to the missionaries. Then when I preached and uh, they asked me if I could come back again next week and I said, yeah, I can come back every week if you want. And so the rest is history. And the Lord has uh, been good to us. The original people left, but God gave us another group of people. Yeah. It's a small church, but it has a big heart for God. Yeah. And so uh, today, it's a joy for me to be here um, this conference started 2011, and uh, I remember we started this with uh, Pastor uh, Diego Tabaquero and some other uh, Filipino preachers that are pastoring in, in, in Sydney. And then the only time we didn't have the conference was during, during the COVID time. But every year we've been, we've been having this conference and I'm so thankful to uh, Pastor Adrian for uh, so kind enough to uh, host the conference and to meet you all here in New Zealand. Um, of course, it has been my heart's desire to be in fellowship with the Kiwi brothers and sisters, especially the pastors uh, in this uh, land, beautiful land. And this is my first time to hear the national anthem to be sang. Uh, 
profitable for doctrine is to know the truth. And so today we are here and gathered together to grasp the need of blessing today. So be, be with us and bless every aspect of our program and even the speakers that are going to be We will continue to empower us that we have wisdom and we have power. We ask and pray this evening. Thank you very much, you may be seated. Sometimes, um, when I uh, listen to uh, some preachers, you, you can find preachers that are a little animated, a little bombastic. Um, I wish I could do that. But uh, I'm used to preach in a mild manner, so I hope that you won't sleep. I heard about a story that a grandson was sleeping in the service and the preacher said, Hey lady, will you please wake up your grandson? And the, and the lady said, Well, you made him to sleep, wake him up. <laughs> and um, that lady was storing her grandson around uh, the church building where they posted all the uh, pictures of the veterans. It was, I think, uh, I don't know what's that in the U.S. where they have, they will recognize all the veterans and those soldiers and they put all the names and, and the pictures of the, the members of the church and, and the lady and the, the boy said, Grandma, why are all these pictures here? And he said, oh, grandson, these are all the people that died in the service. And the grandson said, was it the morning service or the afternoon service? <laughs> I was a little intrigued last night when Brother Caleb mentioned about this group uh, that make uh, estimation on, on stuff. So, uh, but I, I went to the internet straight away. But these are the groups that are involved in, in, in gathering and analyzing information concerning the church and, and the population of the world since the 1980s. And, and many of their findings are startling and I would consider it as eye-opening. Because they have found that large percentage are unchurched. They have no church affiliation whatsoever. And there are those who have church membership, believing that living a good life will gain them a place in heaven. But it is now estimated that the world's population is now about 8 billion. And on that number, vast majority of mankind are lost and on their way to heaven. And over half of everyone you run, you, you run into is lost. It is a growing population, meaning more and more people each year are falling into eternity without hope. Yeah. By which 
by the way, that is the percentage Jesus referred to in the parable of the soil. And that is why in our text, Jesus said, The harvest truly is plenteous. There are people to reach. There is a work to be done. And in one of, uh, you will agree with me or not, but one of the greatest dangers of the modern church is that we don't see this as the most important work. Most everything else, of course, comes before the work of reaching the lost with the word of God and the gospel of Christ. And in our text, Jesus ministered to the needs of the people all around him. He met their physical needs. The Bible tells us, verse 35, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Jesus was able to see the deepest needs of their hearts. As Jesus looked at the multitudes around him, he must, he, the Bible tells us that he was moved with compassion for them. And, and this word literally means he was moved in the heart. He saw the reality of the need of the people around him. He saw them as they were and he, he sought to share this insight with his disciples. He still wants to share this insight with you and with me this morning. He wants us to see the plight of humanity as he does. He wants us to see people as they really are. He wants us to be moved in the heart just as he was. He wants us to be able to see the harvest through his eyes. And that is the thought I want to magnify this morning because I want to preach for a few minutes on this thought, the harvest in the eyes of the Lord of the harvest. And may the Lord help us to see the lost people around us like as Jesus Christ sees him. Because in verse 36 it says here, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. First of all, let us look at the multitude or the harvest like he saw, because he saw the pity of the harvest. Because when Jesus looked at the lost people around him, he saw them as they really were. And he was able to look beyond the facades of self-sufficiency, self-righteousness, and self-confidence. He saw the pain, the loneliness, and the misery they felt in their hearts. Jesus saw a people who fainted. That is grew weary. They fainted. They grew weary under the load of their sins and the unrealistic expectation forced upon them by the religious leaders. He 
saw a people that are scattered and literally to be cast down or thrown out. People who live like life with no shepherd for the soul. He saw a people who were utterly and hopelessly lost. Question here this morning is, do you see them like Jesus? Oh, how we need to see the multitudes like Jesus saw them. Over here is a family. They seem so happy. They have good jobs, plenty of money, nice houses, and all the things this world can offer them. Now, I am in Facebook, so I don't feel like I'm a hypocrite here this morning, amen. I was watching a video clip of the most expensive wedding in the world. And they spent $60 million for a wedding. I don't know what, I, I don't want to, I don't have the liberty to, to uh, give you what race or what country they came from, but they have to spend six days of wedding, inviting all the prominent businessmen and prominent leaders all over the world. They spend time with them for $60 million wedding. After just 12 years, they separated. I said, I wish I could have that money also. And you know what? Brother Hubble, you know, if I have that money, $60 million, knowing that I, I grew up in a poor family, in a poor, poor, uh, uh, poor area in the Philippines, I, I was so poor, Brother Kelly, that when we go to KFC, that we lick other people's fingers. <laughs> <laughs> a finger-licking boot. <laughs>
to die and even afraid to live. They are people without hope, and they need someone to see them as they really are. I saw a band here this morning while we were partying this year. The Book of Jude, which says, Making a Difference. That is what we have to do. And as we look at the harvest in the eyes of the Master, in the eyes of the Lord of the harvest, we are making a difference. But those kinds of comparisons could go on forever. Literally, but what Jesus really saw was the end of these people's existence. He knew that without relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, they were all perished. They were all doomed to perish. And that is what we need to see this morning, amen. That is what we need to see about our friends, about our neighbors, about our families. And they may look like they have it all together, but if they are lost, whether they are the most, if I can use the word, most millionaires, millionaires in this world, or People who don't, who don't have much. Jesus Christ knows their condition. Yet He loved them. Just like you and me. And so may the Lord help us to see the harvest through the eyes of the Lord of the harvest. But not only that, I don't really intend to preach long this morning. Because I know we have some preachers here. Uh, anytime you want a preacher to cut it short, tell him there's lunch after the service. <laughs> Amen. And I believe uh, uh, this is a Baptist church and it's a trademark. As soon as I came to the building this morning, the first thing before the chairs were set up was food. <laughs> And so in our church, we practice for us. Alright? And it's a trademark of a Baptist, supposed to be a Baptist, independent Baptist church. Copy this if you want, but for us at New Hope Baptist Church. We practice fellowship, and then we have food, we have fun, amen, Baptists do have fun, and we have preaching, amen. <laughs> preaching of the word for us. time when you look at me <laughs> remember that for us. Verse 37, not only we saw the pity of the harvest, then Jesus, then said he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. He saw the potential of the harvest. Now Jesus looked at the crowds around him, and he saw a plenteous harvest. Now, I am sure all the disciples saw were people pushing and, and shoving and to get to get close to the to the Lord of the Harvest, amen. But Jesus saw more because he saw men 
who needed to be saved by his grace. He saw a harvest that was ripe for picking. Now I grew up to be a farmer, a son of a farmer, so I enjoy harvesting. It's not easy, but I enjoy it. I, I like it. When you look at the harvest, especially rice that are earning gold and, and the smell of the harvest, it's, it's really refreshing. But Jesus Christ here said that he saw a harvest that is plenteous. He saw a harvest that was ripe to be picked. And he looked beyond their condition and their destination. And he saw a people that could be delivered and that could be changed and could be saved. But he did not see the problems. He only saw the potential. But that is the question we have to ask here this morning. What do we see when we look at people all around us? Do we see sinners lost in their filthiness and vileness? Do we see people who live like dogs and don't care? Or do we see people as they are? Or do we see them as the Lord could make them if they will come to Him? I'm so glad that a laborer heed to the master's call and went to the Philippines in the early 1950s and started a church in Olongapo City. Left the church, went to Angel City and started a church again. And that is where my parents got saved. And, of course, uh, with all other Filipino preachers that are here today, I just would like, to, in behalf of the Filipino church, I would like to say thank you to our missionaries. Especially to our American missionaries. Those who heeded the call to go to the mission fields. Those who were sent by the Lord of the harvest. I am forever grateful. Because if not for the missionaries that God sent to the Philippines, my father did not saved, he wouldn't be saved today, but he is saved, and in fact he became a pastor. Now being in the, in, the, in, the, in the Christian home is a privilege, it's really a blessing. And I grew up knowing the Bible, knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. It was my mother who led me to the Lord, and praise God for godly mothers, amen? amen. And I am forever grateful to our American missionaries who went to the Philippines. I am one of the products. I am one of the harvest. That because they saw the harvest like what the Lord Jesus Christ saw. One day the Lord Jesus Christ stood with his disciples outside the city of Samaria. Now, of course we all know that the Samaritans were despised by the Jews in the Lord Jesus Christ's day. Because the Samaritans came about through the uh, intermarriage of Jews with the colonists sent to live in Israel by the Babylonians. And Jesus went to a city of the Samaritans and spoke to a sinful woman. He saw her not just as she was, but as 
she could be through grace. He saved her, and many Samaritans were also saved because Jesus took up the harvest as being everywhere and as being plentiful. And by the way, why was that Samaritan woman when pitching water in the heat of the day, in the, in the, during the day? I went to Qatar a few years back to preach for a church there. And uh, it was October. So probably you went to the Middle East already. I went there. And we went outside the house in the middle of the day. And they said, today is a little colder, Pastor. What's the, what's the temperature? It's 55 degrees. For them, it's a little colder. So we went in the mall and he said, Pastor, I have to drop you to the, the main door and then I'll go back to the park again. That's underground. Had I stayed a little bit longer, Brother Caleb, I was a roasted person. It was so hard. But I don't understand why that woman has to go and pitch water in the middle of the day. Because that is when people will stay in the house. She wants to go and pitch water when nobody can look and can see her because of her reputation. Just as the same with Nicodemus. Nicodemus went to see the Lord Jesus Christ in the night. Because we all know that Nicodemus is someone who has a high office in, in the community. And because for the sake of reputation, he doesn't want to, to be uh, criticized or something. He, he went to see Jesus Christ. Nevertheless, when Jesus Christ saw them, he saw them as potential. What I'm trying to get us to understand is this truth. There are people around us who need the Lord Jesus Christ. A drunkard, a billionaire, a drug addict, these are all harvest that are potential. I, I, I'm going to ask you this morning, maybe there is one year or two here today that will raise his hand and will say, Pastor, I used to be a drug addict. But God saved me. Because I know some pastors who used, who used to be uh, ex-convicts. But they are now using, being used by God to preach the gospel. Many are ripe for the picking. We barely need to see it and do something about it. And may the Lord help us to see the harvest through His eyes. But also in verse 37, not only He saw the potential, but He saw the problem. Because as Jesus looked at the harvest, He acknowledged the fact that it was plentiful and that it was pitiful. But as He saw lost men all around, He also recognized a problem there were few laborers working in the father's field. I think Brother Kelly told us last night that there are about two million people in this world that literally has heard about the Lord Jesus Christ. Am I correct, Brother? But this two million knows about Coca-Cola. And probably 1.5 million of them knows about Facebook. But they don't know about Jesus. You know the problem 
reaping the soul, harvest is a hard work. But few it seems are really willing to roll up their sleeves and get involved in the work. And so Jesus called his men to follow him, promising them to make to make them fishers of men. Now, of course, to fish requires the fishermen to go where the fish are. I love fishing. And even Father Lewis knows this. The mere mention of my name, the fish are trembling. <laughs> that is how I am when it comes to fishing. In fact, when I look at the back of backyard of Pastor Adrian a while ago, and there's a lake. Straight away, I know it's low tide or high tide. And I told my family, I said, I forgot to bring my fishing line. <laughs> the other day, I went fishing. Six o'clock in the morning, and already there. It's bonito season in, the, in Australia. Uh, these are the kind of chicken that when they come in summertime, they come in abundance. I reeled in 18 bonitos in just one hour, 18. Some of them are given to me. <laughs> I did not enjoy, Brother Lewis, I did not enjoy fishing that morning. Why? Back limit is 10. I was only fishing for 30 minutes. I already have my 10. Because I caught five, and some people that were fishing there, had already their back limits and over there they just put them put it put them on the floor and they said can please pick them up so I only put five I didn't enjoy it because I wanted to catch the ten bonitos myself but I love fishing I have a friend love fishing but I'm so surprised that sometimes he goes fishing I will have 10 bonitos. He will go home with nothing. And you know what? His fishing reel cost him $1,500. It's a Shimano Stradic something something. And if you will buy that, it's like $1,500 Australian. Mine is just a Jarvis Walker, 35 bucks. <laughs> But I know where the fish are. I know how to fish them. I know to use the proper lure. I know how to use the proper bait. That's why whenever I go home, my smile is from here all the way to my, to my ears, and he will just go like this. You know, fishing, a fisherman knows where the fish are. Those of you who farm know the harvest doesn't just gather itself. We have to go get up, get down where it is, and let us do what we call dirty work for harvesting. Now surely we can see that people in our, that are in such shape today, spiritually speaking, surely we care about them and, and want to see them saved by the grace of God. Amen. But may we come to the place where we are not just content to see it, 
but come to the place where we become willing to go into the harvest and reap for Jesus' sake. Turn to Psalms chapter 126. I love the book of Psalms. Make sure that I will have one psalm a day. At least one psalm a day. What Psalms 126 Spirit Familiar verse? We all know this. Verse 5 and 6. The Bible tells us, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Because he that goeth forth and weeping, very precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. I was talking to a brother in the Lord here today. He said, it's so different you know, in New Zealand to reach people for the Lord Jesus Christ, giving them tracts. He said, I, I experienced someone called me and said all nasty words, swear words to me. I put one little box, I want tracks in the little box, and this guy who owns the property came running to him and he ripped the, the tracks on his face and, and threw nasty words. It's not easy, man. It's not easy in New Zealand, it's not easy in Australia, I am sure. It's not easy anymore in the States. We are now living in a time when to penetrate the gospel, it really have to have a hard work to do that. I said to him, why did he rip it in front of you? Well, I said, he said, I put it in a little box which is no junk mail. Now, I do understand that the track is not a junk mail, man. But what I do, I told our church, I said, when you see a junk, uh, no junk mail, just skip it, just leave it, just for courtesy. Some people will take you to court about it and it's, one time, my son and I were giving tracks, tracks and I told my son, don't put it in, in a, in a, on a uh, litter box with, with a, a junk mail on it. And, and so my son uh, skipped that, and the, the lady who owns the property, and what's that? And I said, it's just a, a, a gospel track. And, and she took it. And so it's better just to leave it, but then she came running to us. What is that? The gospel track. And she forget it. And I say, brethren, it's a hard work. Amen. In the Philippines, you say, okay, let's have popcorn Sunday. Alright? Let's have popcorn Sunday. And I tell you what, Brother Kelly, the church will be overflowing with me. Popcorn Sunday. Do that in Australia. Do that in New Zealand. Let's have popcorn Sunday. I can have popcorn in Countdown. I can buy popcorn in Woolworth. Nobody will turn up. But let us go there. Let us exert effort and energy by the hey. grace of God. Yep. Because it will be wonderful. Yes. Because for the last point, not only is solve the problem of the harvest. There are few laborers. Let us join hands together. I went to fish one time. I went home. Because there are more fishermen than the fish. 
I don't have a space, brother, to fish. I said, I'll just go home. But every time I go fishing without without a catch, because maybe the weather is bad, or I don't feel like fishing with swimming with other people and tangling or your hooks and, and your lines like that. So I better just go to the fish market and bring home a catch for my wife. How good it is to see fishermen shoving it because they want to fish and there's no space. How good it is when laborers for the master will be like that yes, in a place, amen? And I'm so blessed to see New Zealand pastors that are here today. In fact, we have more attendance on the first day of missions conference than we have in, the, in Australia. Pastors, thank you so much. Let us labor together, amen? amen. And by the grace of God, let us turn New Zealand and Australia upside down. Amen. amen. We are the hope. We as a church, as a preacher, we are the hope. Amen. It's not the politicians. We are. The gospel is the hope. Amen. amen? But then in verse 38, as we close, pray therefore the Lord of the harvest. Not only he saw the problem, but he saw the power of the harvest. And as Jesus spoke about the harvest and the needs that is associated with it, he told his men what to do first. And what was that? Pray. Pray. Why pray? Because seeing the harvest brought into the barn is God's work. Amen? He must till the soil of the heart. He must water the seed of the word that is planted, and he must cast the sunshine of grace upon the lost heart, or there will be never be a harvest. You see, the new birth is a miracle. It is the awesome work of God in your heart and in my heart. Only he can do it. But we must pray over the harvest. That is the power of the harvest. Let us join our hearts. Let us join forces to pray for the harvest, Amen. to pray for the laborers. Let us pray together. And notice that Jesus told them to pray that the Lord of the harvest, God, would send for laborers into the harvest. And as we develop a burden for the lost and begin to pray for them as we should, the Lord will develop a compassion for them within our heart. Because if we pray as we should, the Lord will work within us so that us desire will be born within us to go into the field and work for the harvest. Now can we see the lead this morning? Well, if we can, then starting place is to get before God and pray. Let us trust Him to do His work in the harvest. Let us trust Him to move in the hearts of these people. Because if we pray, He will send forth the laborers. Of course, they might just be us. I was mentioning a while ago as I closed this morning. In 1968, my dad graduated in Bible College. The night of his graduation, I was born. So you can figure out now how old I am. But it's not about the age, amen. 
was I graduated at the same mission the seminary that I graduated. After a few months he went to Anda Pangasinan. It's a well-known Methodist island. He was persecuted because most of my mom's relatives are preachers of Methodists. They said, why don't you have to come here? We were there. That's unethical, you know, that word, unethical. Why do you still have to start a, to start a church here? That is unethical. But my dad saw a harvest of, of people that's been ripped apart by religion. They believe that you have to be good to go to heaven. But his burden is my mom's relatives to come to the, to the knowledge of salvation. And so to make the story short, Canyon Bible Baptist Church was started in that, in that place. And then my dad went to, that, to the next village. To, and next, next thing you know, he was in another village and like mushroom, church has been planted. And my dad, by the grace of God, I'm not magnifying Pastor Larry Ramos. I'm magnifying the call that he has, that he needed for that call. He was able to start 25 churches. He is 84 years old and still on fire. But I am really so thankful. One day I'll get to heaven just like you. Because someone needed to the call. And you know what? When we get to heaven, I believe the streets of gold won't matter. The mansions in heaven won't matter. The beauty of heaven won't matter. I, I believe when we get to heaven, we will all be marching toward the throne of glory. Thanking and praising and worshiping the Lord of the harvest for what he has done. And when I see those missionaries that have gone before us, I will hug them and I will say thank you. Thank you so much. I hope and I pray. We'll keep, keep on worshiping and praising pastors, preachers that are here today. Thank you so much. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the time that we spend in your We continue to bless our activities today. Bless every aspect of our Lord. We ask and pray this And the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord. We will uh, have one song. Um, we will sing one song as the choir will make their way as we sing this song here and also about um, Pastor Saba will be our next speaker so we are now going to use our um, gadget so please uh, brother Matt let's have one uh, here and then the, the, just two, two verses and the choir will come to sing
by the faith. Uh, pastor Army Gisalva, um, you know, I worked with him and became the pastor. And uh, Pastor Gisalva had a lot of, uh, you know, fruits. And one of the fruits of Pastor Army Gisalva is my pastor, Pastor Jimbo Cortez. And again, um, yeah, we will hear him later on. And as they set up the face and for, um, you know, um, Pastor Gisalva to, to speak, but again, uh, we, we thank the Lord. When win the loss at any cost. That is hard. That is not easy. But again, that is that is uh, what we need to do. We have to win the loss. And um, ministering the loss here in New Zealand and in back here in Oakland is not easy. It's not easy. But again, it is with the Lord. The Lord is uh, making a way for us. And He wants the people to be saved. And He needs people. That is why our name is, you know, um, that he will send forth laborers. Wow, laborers. There's no problem, for sure, we know it. There's no problem with the Lord of the harvest. There's no problem with the Lord of the harvest. And I believe also that there's no problem with the harvest. The harvest is not a problem. I think where the problem lies is in the laborers of the harvest. It's us. The problem is on the workers of the harvest. Because, you know, the harvest is always like that. They are nasty. They will slam their doors if you knock on their doors. And uh, they, will, they will, you know, uh, uh, tear that uh, tracks if you give them. Slap your hands and uh, they will say bad words to you. But again, um, we, we experience that. Knock on doors, slam that door in our face. But that's not uh, make us discouraged. Move to the next door. It's so simple. <laughs> Do not fight with the people. Do not fight with those nasty people. Just move to the next door because um, you're looking for people there that will receive the gospel. And not all will receive the gospel, but there are people that will receive the gospel. And those people that endure that work, praise the Lord. Because every missionary receives that kind of treatment. The Lord Jesus Christ received that kind of treatment. The Apostle Paul received that kind of treatment. The Apostle Peter and all the rest of the martyrs received that kind of treatment. So do not think that you are more special than them. We will be treated the same way. So that is, you know, part of our uh, being um, servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we should know how to fish. We should know how to harvest the harvest because. And that is our job. We praise the Lord for that. Thank you for uh, the American, I mean, again, I will, I will say that the American missionaries because they are the ones that open the minds and hearts of so many. And uh, you see the results in the Philippines. And now Philippines are, is the country that is sending missionaries all over the globe. And because of what, um, you know, the Lord has done in the lives of his people. Again, let's have this time our pastor from um, he is now Pastor Emeritus of um, Bible Baptist Church Kadipunan. Pastor Armi Gisalba has been in the ministry for many, many years. And Pastor Armi Gisalba uh, has been, you know, uh, uh, there in the forefront of the battle for souls for many years. And the Lord blessed this man in the ministry, even in his old age. He's still able to preach and he's really still very very much um, you know used to God even though he is already in advanced age and in fact in fact I went there um, this December and I spoke to him and I said yes Brad I will I will I will pray for you I will preach twice he 
will be preaching, uh, he's preaching this morning and also tomorrow, all, all pre-recorded message. So let's hear the first message of uh, Dr. Armin De Salva, the pastor emeritus of Bible Baptist Church, Katipunan.
fight against kings, kingdom against kingdom, and the purpose is to be able to conquer the other king or conquer the other kingdom. And when they finish, when they win the battle, they get the resources, they get the gold, they get the silver, they get the wealth of the losing king or the losing kingdom. And what they do is they divide it among themselves. What they do is they take the gold, they take the silver, and they take the very, very, very uh, valuable things that they capture in the, uh, in the, in the defeated king or in the defeated kingdom, and then they give it to David. They offer it to the king, and they say, King, this is your portion. Gold, silver, and, and uh, you know, other wonderful things. But David said, No, I don't want that portion. I don't want that gold. I don't want that silver. All I want is God, because with God I have wisdom. With God I have knowledge. With God I have mercy. With God I have love. With God I have power to protect in times of temptation, in times of danger. I want God to be my portion. And my blessing carefully. Remember when David fought the giant Goliath? He said, God is the one that is my, my portion. He said to the, to, the, to the giant, he said, you come to me with the shield and the spear and the sword. He said, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, whom you have defied. And the Bible says that he, he swung his sling and released it and hit the giant in the forehead with, with one stone. And the giant fell. And you know why he defeated the giant? Because he said, God is his portion. And my friend, if you're going to become a strong, hard-working laborer of God, you must make God your portion. As for me, and I, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I will be satisfied when I awake in thy likeness. David made God his portion in life. Joshua also made God his portion in life. In Joshua 24, verse number 15. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If you are to, be to become a strong, hard-working laborer for God, you must make God your portion. Number two, you must make God's word the rule in your life. You must make God's word the rule in your life. Someone in English from the seven, Thou art my portion, O Lord. I have said that I would keep thy words. I would keep thy words. If God's word is the rule of your life, you will keep his word. Psalm 37, verse number 31, the law of his God is in his heart. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 4, verse number 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. In 1954, there was an Indian theologian, an Indian theologian who went to Central Philippine University in Hilo City. I was then in college and he spoke to the students. And he said this, 
He said, in my house, I have a motto. I have a saying, I have a rule for my children, for my family. He said, no Bible, no breakfast. They will not eat their breakfast without reading the Bible. If they do not read the Bible, they don't eat their breakfast. I think this is a good rule. I think we ought to remember that the Word of God being God's tool to effect our transformation. We ought to make the Word of God the rule of our lives. If you are going to become a strong, hard-working laborer for God, we may make the Bible the rule of our lives. He said, the Bible says in, uh, in Luke, uh, in Luke 46, 46, and why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which they say. You know, obedience is our greatest response to the will of God. If we know God's word will for us, we ought to be, we ought to be strong, real Christians, have genuine faith, and genuine faith produces obedience. Genuine faith produces obedience. The reason why it is hard for Christians to obey the Lord is not due to the lack of faith. No, it is not due to the lack of faith. Every one of us here that are listening, you will say, I have faith in God. That's wonderful. But do you know why people do not, do not, uh, do not uh, uh, obey the Lord? Because of the lack of surrender to God. The lack of surrender to God. There is no genuine surrender. Because if a Christian is surrendered to the Lord, he will do anything. He will do anything to please God. If you are really surrendered to the Lord. And if God is your portion, you know what you will do? You will obey God at any cost. Whatever it takes, you are going to do something for the Lord and you will live in, in the Word of God. There was a man by the name of Steve Jobs. He was the one who invented the iPhone. Many of you here, maybe you have an iPhone right now. iPhone 14, iPhone 13, iPhone 15. You have an iPhone. Steve Jobs spent 56 years of his life building the iPhone. And one day he was going to the hospital. One day he was going to be admitted in the hospital. And, and Mr. Steve, Steve Jobs said, I have all the money that my fingers can touch. He was a billionaire. He was a very rich man. All the money that my fingers can touch. But he said, but every time I see the green light blinking in my room, and the clapping of the instruments in order to retain my breath. I know that I cannot bring one dollar of the billions that I earned in 56 years. Why is that? The reason for that is because iPhone was his life. He didn't read the Bible, and I don't think that he was saved when he died. That's why, my friend, if you are here listening today, if you, you remember this, material things are good. There is nothing wrong with having material things. There is nothing wrong with being rich. But, my friend, if you neglect the Word of God, you will be the loser. Because the Word of God is the very thing that will make you successful. Amen. Remember Joshua chapter 1? 
Moses just died, the Bible says in chapter 1 of the book of Joshua. And God said to Joshua, Joshua, my servant Moses is dead. Now go, arise, and lead the Israelites to the promised land. Every place that the foot of thy foot shall tread upon, I will give them to you for an inheritance. I will give them to you for an inheritance. And then in the book of Matthew, in verse number 8 of the same chapter, Joshua chapter 1, God said, Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest not serve to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and in thou shalt have good success. Good success. Somebody asked me one day, Pastor, why is it that the Bible says good success? It didn't just say success. It says good success. You know why it is good success? Because if you apply the principles of the Word of God in your work, in your job, in your livelihood, in your business, in your school, you apply the principles of the Word of God in your family, you are going to have good success. God promises good success to those who will follow the Word of God, who will obey the Word of God. That is why, my friend, you must remember this. If you are going to become a strong, hard-working laborer for God, number one, you make God the portion of your life. Number two, you make God support the rule of your life. And number three, you make prayer your total commitment. You make prayer your total commitment. It is not easy to pray. It is not enough natural thing to pray. It's hard to pray. And by the way, you do not learn prayer in the classroom. No, you do not learn prayer in the classroom. You learn prayer in the closet. And you have to pray every day. The Bible says, pray without ceasing. Why is it that God said pray without ceasing? Because God wants your heart to be a house of prayer. God wants your heart to be a house of prayer. He wants you to pray. He wants you to call upon God. Do you know why? Because God is the one that will open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And when God gives you that blessing, He blesses you and gives you favor and He increases the, the thing that, that you enjoy. He blesses you with material things. I remember a man by the name of Dr. Dallas Bellington. Dr. Dallas Bellington was employed at the Agron Tire Factory in Agron, Ohio. He was only eighth grade. And uh, one day he felt that God was calling him. And he said to the Lord, Lord, you are calling me to be in the ministry. You are calling me to a Bible study in Akron. But Lord, I am only eighth grade. I don't have enough education to be able to lead people. But anyway, he could not really remove the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And while he was working in the entire factory, 
You know, we scheduled every afternoon on Saturday to have Bible study in downtown Akron. He rented a place where he could have Bible study, and he started his Bible study in June uh, 14, 1934. Long time ago, June 14, 1934. And do you know what was his first attendance? His first attendance was 16 people, including the owner of the, the, the owner of the apartment that he rented. 1934. And you know, he only started with 16 people. But he prayed and prayed to God, God, I want you to bless my Bible study. Lord, honor your name in the sword of the earth being one. And you know what happened? I was there personally in 1976. 42 years later, after he started the Bible study with 16. And in 1976, 42 years later, do you know what his sentence was? He had 5,000 in Sunday school. Can you imagine from 16 people to 5,000? Why is that? He prayed to God and asked God for favor. And he had 5,000, not because of his education. It was only eight grade. No, it was because God gave him favor, God gave him power, and God blessed the people that brought him in. That's why God wants us to make prayer our total commitment. Pray that God will give you blessings. Pray, God hears your prayer even if you don't speak a word. God hears your groan. God hears your moan and He knows what you need. And therefore, you need to pray. There was a man by the name of David Brainerd. David Brainerd was a missionary to the American Indians. And my friend, listen carefully. During the time there was no highways in America. There was only a pathway, a divorce pathway to the Indian Reservation. And he would ride the horse. And while he traveling to the reservation, he would be convicted, he would get, get a light, a light from the horse, and then kneel on the eyes, kneel on the ground. And in the very place where his knees would touch the ground, that ground, that area was melted with the heat of his body. And he will pray for many hours, O oh God, give me favor. Lord, give me power. Give me the opportunity to share the gospel to the American Indians. And today, there is a, there is a ministry among the, record, among the American Indians uh, because of the, of the ministry of somebody like David Brenner who devoted his life to prayer. He devoted his life to prayer. He died at a very young age of 29. But even though he died at a young age, he left a legacy of prayer to the American Indians in the reservation. And God is honored because he prayed. Number one, if you are going to become a strong, hardworking laborer for God, you must make God the portion of your life. Number two, you may make God's word the rule of your life. Number three, you will make up, you make prayer your total commitment. And number five, 
you might make your thanksgiving an expression of devotion. You made your thanksgiving an expression of devotion. In 1979, I was traveling from Tacloban City to Cebu City. It was night time, and I didn't know that there was a typhoon. Somebody told me that, you know, there was a typhoon and the rain was heavy, and, but I didn't believe it because I was going to going home to my place, and uh, that was Friday, because the following day Sunday, we have visitation, we have so many, we have many things to do, Bible studies. But you know, I went ahead and traveled that, that, that day. There was a typhoon. My 10 minutes after we got out of the harbor, the waves and the rain and the, and the, and the, uh, and the strong wind was, was bothering us. And we could not go home. Just 10 minutes outside the harbor, the water was in the boat and we were just in danger. And what we did was we held on to the, we did not, we did not lie down on our, on our, on our beds, on the guts. We, we just went ahead and held on to the, to the iron bars on the side of the boat. Because it was dangerous. The beds were being, uh, being tossed to the side and to the other side. And it's very hard to, to go, you know, it's very hard to really stay in the middle of the boat. So we stayed and, and held on to the side of the boat. But my friend, when we were there, we were really praying. I said to the Lord, Lord, uh, please help us. And you know, it was so hard, I could not imagine that we would be saved. Mind during the time when the wind was very strong and the rain was heavy and it was dark, my friend, I confessed all my sins to the Lord. Lord, please forgive me of all my sins. If anything happens here and this boat will sink, Lord, forgive me of all my sins. I confess all my sins. My, I was reminded. But we were all sinners. And so, you know, but you didn't, you didn't about the time the, the captain announced in the microphone, he said, ladies and gentlemen, I want everybody to wear a life jacket. I said, why? There's something, something new. Where everybody wear a life jacket. And he said, we are going to try to turn back. We are going to try to turn back. When he said we were going to wear a life jacket, I was very hopeful. But when he said, we will try to turn back, I was, I was, I remember, I heard the word try. Because there are times when you try, you succeed. But there are times that when you try, you do not succeed. And I said to myself, we will try to turn back. What if we will try and not succeed? So I was really hopeless. But I said to the Lord, Lord, help the company. And when we and the captain, you know, when he tried to maneuver the boat, and my friend blessing came when we were ever to turn back. And when we turned back, everybody clapped our hands to appreciate very much the captain for being skillful in maneuvering the boat to the harbor of Colombia. And right there and then, at the side of the boat, I kneeled down and I said, Lord, thank you for saving us. Thank you for giving us an opportunity to be saved from this time. And my thanksgiving became my expression of devotion to my God for His goodness and mercy and favor He gave us. 
during that particular time. And my friend, if you're going to become a strong, hardworking labor for God, you must make your thanksgiving as a, 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 an expression of your devotion to God. You must make God the portion of your life. You may make God's word the rule of your life. You must make prayer your total commitment. You must make your thanksgiving an expression of your devotion. And last but not least, you must make repentance your spiritual medicine. Repentance your spiritual medicine. Pastor, why is it that repentance is our spiritual medicine? Because when you are backslidden, what do you do to come back to the Lord? You repent. If you are where you are, what do you do? You repent of your sin and you go back to the Lord. You remember the prodigal son? The prodigal son was in a very hard situation. And he said, I will go back to my father and I will say to my father, Father, uh, I am no more, uh, I am no, I, I'm not no more worthy before thy son. Make me now as one of your servants. But his father said, No, no, you are not my servant. You are my son. And he came to his father. And uh, he was in a difficult situation. He was, he was, he was, uh, he had no money. And he was eating the food of the pigs. And so he said, I will turn to my father. He knew that it's very important. And like David, he repented of his sins. And you know, sometimes people re reproach you. Sometimes people will hate you. Sometimes people will, will revile you. And you may be in a difficult situation. But my friend, the best thing to do is to kneel down and thank God for your situation. You mean if I am insulted, you will thank God? Yes. You will thank God. Even when I am reproached, if I am insulted, I will thank God. Yes. If you are a Christian, you will thank God in spite of the difficult situation you are in. Why, Pastor? Well, Matthew 5, look at that. Matthew 5, verse 11. The Bible says, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you. Blessed are men shall revile you and persecute you. Can you imagine? God said you are blessed when people persecute you. When they revile you, you are blessed. When they insult you, you are blessed. And shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. He says rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven. If people insult you and persecute you and revile you and criticize you, my friend, listen carefully, just keep quiet. You have to be happy and you have to thank God that it is happening because God will bless you and reward you and reward you. And you know, it only means that when people persecute you, you're a Christian, it only proves the reality that you're a Christian. It only proves that you are a you are a wonderful a wonderful man. And so you will find here that if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness.
My transition gateway as I close. Number one, you want to become a strong, hardworking laborer for God? You must make God the portion of your life. Number one. Number two, you make God's word the rule of your life. And number three, you must make prayer your total commitment. You must make prayer your total commitment. Our pastor, Adrian Codilia, he needs prayer. This church needs prayer. Everyone of us here in the auditorium needs prayer. We in the Philippines, in Cebu City, we need prayer. In order to reach the world for Christ, we need prayer. In order to send laborers anywhere, we need prayer. In order to extend our mission offering, we need prayer. We need to pray. Because that's the only way that God will take from us. And therefore, because of that, we need to confess our sins and come to the Lord. Confess and say, we confess our sins. He is faithful and just Give us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. My friend, this gift you do not need to delay. You have to come to the Lord right now. Right now. Don't delay. Come immediately to the Lord and tell the Lord, I need to become a strong, hardworking laborer for you. Help me. Lord, make me. Make me to become a strong one. I would like you to be my portion, dear God. I want, I want the word of your word to become the rule of my life. I want prayer to be my total commitment. I want my nice speaking to be my expression of the ocean. And I want repentance. I want to repent right now. So that I will have the favor of God. Your waywardness will be cured. Your backsliding condition will be taken care of. And you will become a strong, hardworking laborer for Almighty God. I hope you will not delay to do anything for, for Him. Come to Him, and God will make you to become a strong, hardworking laborer for God. God bless you, and I hope that this week you are going to really enjoy the blessings of God in your life. Thank you for Pastor Adrian. Thank you for his leadership. And I'm going to pray for all of you as you have this business conference. God bless you, and thank you for allowing me to preach to you today. Hello, everybody. I am so happy for the invitation of Pat. All right. I hope that you are blessed with this message. I'm so blessed uh, listening to that. And um, he will be speaking again. He will be speaking again tomorrow morning. And uh, because we are like catching up our time, uh, we cut some of those um, items that we have. We are going to take a break, and after that, we will have straight away um, our next speaker, which is uh, Brother Caleb. And um, we will have a lot of um, activities after that. But um, we have, uh, hold on, we will take a break and have some maybe drinks, but five minutes. If you time the, the clock there, we have five minutes, and then we'll come back here, all right? Five minutes, we'll come back to the auditorium. Thank you very much.